Welcome to Not Too Preachy. I'm excited to be here. Uh, uh, I'm so glad that I got a lot of feedback <laughs> from uh, so many of you who are excited uh, with me as well. Um, so for those of you who uh, may not know me, um, let me introduce myself and uh, reintroduce myself to some of you that do know me. Um, I am Jason Brown. Middle name is E. Um, I am a husband of a beautiful wife, Deadrian, on cue, um, and we have been married for 15 plus years. Uh, it is a blessing uh, to be married to such a beautiful young lady, and I'm so glad, <laughs> so glad uh, that my key works every time I come home. Uh, I have two children. Uh, one is in the seventh grade. Uh, one is in the fourth grade, Jaden and Jeremiah, both very active and very smart people. Uh, professionally, smart children, smart people. <laughs> uh, professionally, I am a middle school counselor. I've been doing that um, now for over five years at this one particular location in Fort Bend ISD at Crystal McCullough Middle School. And for those of you who are viewed from there, how you guys doing? And I miss you guys. Um, I'm glad we got a little extra time off because I was burning at both ends. But um, I'll be glad when we get back because I miss you guys. Um, now, I moonlight as a middle school ministry lead at Harvest Point Fellowship Church uh, in the Pearland uh, area on the, is that the west side? The west side of Pearland. Um, I also do some life coaching, um, some speaking. Uh, I am a God-called preacher, um, and I like to read. I like to compete. I uh, got a brand new bike for Christmas, and I'm looking forward to getting some more rides in, so my bike riding friends, I know who you are, but you know who I am now. And then when I get a chance, I also consider myself a golfing philanthropist. Uh, that simply means when I go to the golf course, I try to play golf, but I end up donating balls. Um, so I normally give more than I'm able to get back at the golf course. So I'm not uh, very good at it. Um, now, a lot of people may wonder, well, where did this not, um, not too preachy idea come from? Where, where did this come from? And so uh, a, a person that has become a, a friend and a brother of mine, Marcus Sullivan, you may know him uh, from 91.7 Engine, Marcus in the Morning. If you don't know, you need to check that out in the mornings, Monday through Friday uh, on your commute in. Um, and he also has his own um, media and radio company called Blessed Beats. It is an international company. Uh, but we were talking about radio shows and ideas, and there was a point in time where maybe I would actually uh, do a radio show and he said, man, I want some content. I like, you know, what you're about and who you are. Uh, but we want to, you know, probably put something together. But uh, eh, not too preachy. And I said, wow. Because as a preacher, it's kind of weird to hear that not too preachy. And I, I know where it came from because I sent him uh, some snippets and some clips of, um, of my sermons. And I, I preach. <laughs> and he was like, man, that was great what you did. Uh, but... Well, not too preachy. And at first I was like, oh, I'm not sure what that looks like. But then it caught on and it made sense uh, to me. And so uh, when, we, when I came up with this idea, uh, the second person I contacted was Marcus. And he was like, man, that's it. Let's do it. Uh, go for it. And so here we are, not too preachy. And so then I brought that idea to uh, my digital uh, media guy who does uh, my graphics for me, Reggie Sasser, of Clutch Basketball, uh, AAU, if you're looking for a good AAU program, Clutch Basketball is one. And uh, I said, Reggie, I need, 
I need an idea to, I need a graphic for this. And what do you think? And he said, well, I see you, you know, taking off your tie. And I'm like, oh, that's it. Let's go. And so my son got the camera. We started taking pictures. And before you know it, we got that image of me taking off my tie and not too preachy. Uh, is born. And so here we are on the first one. And so what I want to kind of give you is uh, what to expect before we actually get into the show. Uh, if you know me, you know I love corny jokes and I love doing some um, laughter and, and having a good time. And so um, some of it will be um, moments of levity. Uh, there may be some uh, <laughs> low battery. There may be some bad jokes uh, coming. Okay, be careful with that. Charger. Okay, thank you. All right, all right, cool. Thank you. That's my uh, digital media person taking care of me, my daughter. She's awesome. Um, I didn't know my battery was low. A anyway, um, so there'll be some corny jokes. There'll be some dad jokes. So it's not all serious. And if you know me, you know I'm not. I'm serious, but I'm not all the way serious. I'm not. Um, I may drop some stuff that just vexes my spirit, that just really irritates me. Um, to no end. Are we still good? Okay. Uh, that, that, uh, that really irritates me to no end, but it's still kind of funny to me, so it's not heavy irritation, but it's just stuff that just kind of vexes uh, my spirit. I may drop some occasional weird facts. We may talk a little sports. Um, I may open up spaces. Not may. I will open up spaces to interview some of my favorite and interesting personalities or some friends of mine who'd like to be a part of this platform. And then, of course, there will be um, moments of inspiration. Uh, there will be moments of information. There'll be some comforting and there'll be some conviction. And it will all be biblically based, but just not too preachy. And so let me say this. Uh, if you know me, again, I'm going to say this again, and you'll get to know me. I am a fan of what we typically call traditional black preaching. I love spirit-led celebratory endings at the end of a sermon. I really do. Um, that's not my gift. Uh, what I want us to do during this time is kind of invite you in as if we're just sitting on the porch or sitting at the table, um, just enjoying each other and having some conversational uh, studying good time. Uh, so this is what I want you to do. Go ahead and sit back, relax, uh, grab your late night coffee or your cold drink, whatever that cold drink is. I'm not at your house. I know we locked in a little bit um, and let's enjoy each other's company. First thing we're going to do is uh, we're always going to do the shouts. We're going to do some shouts real quick. And my daughter was shouting earlier and my shouter is gone. I don't know where she is. We're going to do some shouts right now. Uh, one of the first shout outs I want to give is a couple of happy birthday shout outs that's coming soon. Um, my sister-in-law, Kim Brown, uh, she's going to turn 21 on the 19th. So happy birthday, early birthday, Kim. My cousin, Legina, she's also turning 21. It's interesting how they're the same age. So happy birthday, Legina. I think her birthday is tomorrow. Um, Jaron Jarrell Smalls, Legends Do Live. Uh, happy birthday to you on the 19th as well. Uh, Quentin Hollis, young man. Happy birthday to you today. Uh, my fraternity brother and a former uh, member of uh, the youth ministry when I was over the youth ministry. Um, shout out to parents who have turned into teachers <laughs> during this uh, coronavirus uh, situation uh, that you're having to figure out what to do with your kids and so I want to give you a big shout for, for doing that and even for teachers who are making themselves available to parents to try and give them 
uh, resources and stay connected and to tutor and to help or to do uh, whatever it is that you can do to help out. Uh, shout out to one of my favorite nurses, Tiambi uh, Kirkendall, who is Kirkendall, Kikendall, Tiambe, my girl. Um, Nurse Tiambe is what we call her here at the house because she, along with a bunch of other medical professions, have to continue going through this moment. And they're exposing themselves pretty much on a regular uh, to the uh, coronavirus. Meredith, happy birthday to you on the 26th. But by the time I tell you happy birthday, I will have done another <laughs> live video. So maybe I'll get you again next week. Um, shout out to postal workers who are still out there um, touching materials. I'm sure they have on gloves, but they're putting themselves out there and continuing to make sure that we have our stuff. Uh, delivery people with Amazon and FedEx and UPS, the trash men who are still picking up our trash. There are a lot of people who are still working and exposing themselves to the danger that we're in with this COVID-19 and they're still doing that work. So I want to make sure you get a shout out. Shout outs to all the cafeteria workers who went in to work on who's going to be at work at these various schools uh, giving grab and go meals to kids. Uh, you are necessary and even the principals that have to go and monitor this work and even volunteer and participate as well. Shout out to my wife who has put together a masterful plan for our kids as we try and figure out uh, this particular situation. Um, so to all of those people, and I know I missed a lot of people, um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, happy birthday to everybody. Uh, well wishes. Um, and um, I believe that we'll get through this. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm vexed about a, lot, about a lot of things, about a lot of things. But let me let me tell you why let me tell you why I'm uh, vexed because uh, there are a lot of things I'm vexed about. I'm going to give you a couple of them. Um, Bill O'Brien, how, how you doing, Bill? Um, trying to figure out why you traded DeAndre Hopkins um, and then picked up a backup running back and paid him. Uh, I'm vexed by that. Make no mistake about it. That's Jadavian Clowney. That's Dwayne Brown. And that's DeAndre Hopkins, arguably a top three receiver in the league for a young, up-and-coming, very talented quarterback. And that vexes my spirit. But that just makes me angry. That's not even, that's not even funny. Like, I'm rooting for the Cleveland Browns now, I think. That's because I got a Browns hat because I'm a Brown. And so I'll be rooting for uh, Cleveland Browns. Okay, so that's what it's going to be. It's going to be Cleveland Browns or... Um, it might be the Raiders this year. Or I might go back to my childhood days when I was a 49er fan. Brent, I don't want to hear anything about that. I'm not bandwagon. I was there with Jerry Rice and John Taylor. Eat that. All right. Uh, but here's what really vexed me. So like uh, some of you, um, I, I, I went to church Sunday. Um, I, I, I have a responsibility there, but um, I, I wanted to be there uh, to enjoy some fellowship, even though it's a lot of, you know, elbow and waving, you know, no no hugs and high fives. If you know me, I'm a very touchy-feely person. I like to dap and shake hands and do the big bro kind of stuff. Um, but we didn't get a chance to do all of that, but I still went to church anyway. And so I'm there at the 8.30 service to get my worship on. 10 o'clock, I served uh, with our kids. And 11.30, uh, I stayed around because my son uh, helps out in the media ministry, right? And so I'm standing outside and I'm, I'm going through some stuff and um getting me a drink of water because my throat is a little dry and I know uh, it's just good practice to stay hydrated, right? I drink a little bit of water, talking to a group of people um, that are in our cafe, and before you know it, I get a little, 
it goes down the wrong pipe. And so, of course, the first thing you want to do is <coughs> cough. But I, I, we're in a society now to where coughing is unacceptable. And I felt judged before I even coughed because I knew as soon as I, <coughs> a little bit, then somebody's going to be like, oh, dude, what's wrong? Uh, and then you get the mean looks and the, and it's, it's like, I feel like I was being profiled for having a small cough. So I had to <coughs> hold my cough in just a little, matter of fact, I had to hold my cough in because I didn't want to be judged at the church for my little cough because the water went down the wrong pipe. People, I was not sick at the time. Nothing was wrong with me at all. I'm not sick. <laughs> I, I had some water in my throat, and I feel like now we're in a society where you can't even cough if you let water or a little piece of food go down. The I'm vexed by that. That bothers me. If, I, if you if raise your hand, say amen or something, if you feel like you're in a place where you can't, cough nowhere on earth or everybody thinks you have the coronavirus i don't have the coronavirus i just had a little bit of water that went down the wrong part of my throat and before you know it i had a little cough but i had to hold my cough for another 30 minutes till i got out to the truck so i could feel comfortable in my space to cough so i wouldn't choke i, I feel like we're at a point now to where if you go somewhere you got to yell out like lepers in the bible unclean unclean when really i just had a little water in my throat I'm vexed by that. I'm vexed by that. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Tonight's lesson is going to be um, one that I really enjoy. I want to introduce you to a guy named Gideon. And we're going to do this from Judges chapter 6. So if you have a Bible or you, you're looking at it, you don't have to have. I'll read a couple of verses. Uh, but I want to march through the beginning of his story and pull out some principles that I found helpful for me. Uh, and helpful for, uh, hopefully they'll be helpful for you as well. But in Judges chapter 6, well, let's, let's back up a little bit because Judges is a book of cycles. At the end of Joshua, he gives this great declaration. He says, uh, choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people were like, oh, yeah, far be it from us. We're we going to serve God. We with you, Joshua. We, we're not going to go into the idol gods. We're not going to the gods of our forefathers. We're not going to the gods of the Amorites. We're not going to go to the gods uh, that's beyond the river. We're going to stick with the one true and living God. We're sticking with Jehovah. And so it's like, okay, cool. We good. And uh, at the beginning of Judges, Joshua passes away. Then after that, they seem to be doing okay, but then there gets a generation that comes up that the Bible says that does not uh, know the Lord nor really fear him. Uh, that's kind of concerning to me right off the bat because one of the things that Israel is marked for is rehearsing the story of the exodus, of them being freed from Egyptian bondage. Uh, but then you have a group of people that don't know, and somewhere it seems like oral tradition may have broken down. But nevertheless, now you're in the book of Judges and you're in this cycle. So you have these Israelites who go into idolatry. And then after the idolatry, they end up in oppression as a punishment, if you will, or discipline rather, from God. It says, okay, you want to worship idols? I told you not to do that, but here is the discipline. And the discipline in the book of Judges was you will be oppressed by foreign nations. And so then, and their oppression for a specific amount of time, whatever that oppression looked like, then they would cry out to God, Lord, please get us out of this oppression. Please uh, free us from this, this bondage or these people that's heckling us and bothering us. 
and then the Lord in his mercy would send a deliverer. They would call him the judge in this particular place. He would send a judge to deliver them. They would deli be delivered, and then everything would be fine for a period of time, and then they go right back into idolatry, then go into discipline, then they go into oppression, and they cry out, God has mercy, he delivers them through a judge, and then everything is good, and we just keep going around in these cycles of idolatry, discipline, oppression, um, and then deliverance, and it's going in these cycles in Judges. And here we are in Joshua, I'm sorry, Judges chapter 6, where they're experiencing oppression under the Midianites, um, and they're in this oppression for seven years, and this oppression looks like this. The Midianites just simply come and take their livestock and take their food. So all of the labor that they do in this agrarian culture and all of the stuff they work hard to gather so they can eat and even uh, do commerce is being ravaged by the Midianites. And uh, the people are upset. They are tired and they are uh, weary of being under this oppression and they cry out to God. And so God answers with the prophet. And he says, uh, I, I told y'all that this was going to happen because you decided to chase after idols. Remember, I'm the one that got you out of Egyptian bondage. The reason why you're in this oppression is because of disobedience. And then we march down a, a couple of verses and then they bring up this guy named Gideon. And now Gideon is from the tribe of Manasseh. It's a small tribe. And Gideon is in the wine press, but he's threshing out wheat. And he's in there threshing out wheat in a wine press. Remember, in a wine press, you're supposed to be doing stuff to make wine, but he's threshing out wheat. And he's in there threshing out wheat because he doesn't want the Midianites to find him because they're going to take his stuff. But then the angel of the Lord shows up and calls him valiant warrior. He introduces himself and calls Gideon valiant warrior. I thought that was interesting uh, because... It does not say anything about Gideon being a warrior, a valiant warrior at that at all. But the angel of the Lord appeared to him and says, hey, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And so Gideon responds in verse 13 and says, well, if the Lord is with me and if the Lord is with us, why are we going through all of this? Where is he? Where are all these miracles that he did for our forefathers in Egypt? I want to pause right there in verse 13, because uh, if, if you're honest with yourself, I know I've been. Let me let me let me speak for me that I've asked those questions in some of the most perilous times where you're wondering, like, with all of this stuff going on, sometimes it seems like God doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care about the oppression or he doesn't care about the peril and the pestilence and all these things that's going on. It would seem like God doesn't care. And so I appreciate Gideon here because Gideon is just being honest. Can I encourage you for a second? That when you talk to God, it does you well to simply be honest with him. I would not serve a God that could not take my honesty. Now, I don't think he's questioning God's judgment, but he is just laying out his concerns before God. And then we go to verse 14. The Lord did not respond to his particular concern or his problem, what he was worried about and the oppression. He says in verse 14, the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Wait a minute. Didn't you just hear what I said, God, that I'm upset? That it doesn't feel like you're doing for us what you did for our forefathers. That it doesn't feel like you're even here. And your response is my purpose. Your response is the reason why you have me here. Let me, let me drop this in for you. This may help you a little bit. I know it helped me. And a lot of people are trying to figure out what your purpose is in life. And maybe your purpose is a problem that's really bothering you. Maybe it's a problem to solve. Uh, you can kind of figure out your purpose maybe by the thing that gives you joy that you would do if money was not an issue or uh, uh, if money was not a problem or if you had all the resources, what would you do? 
uh, what would you do if it was uh, if it was the last day on earth? What would what would be your purpose? What, what drives you uh, to move forward? People ask those questions all the time, and maybe you're struggling. Maybe you haven't asked a question like what bothers me about our society what bothers me about our country what bothers me about our community about my neighborhood and when you find that problem that keeps you up at night or that bothers you or that you even bring to the lord in prayer maybe that's your opportunity to say well could that be my purpose and so i found it interesting that instead of responding to his concerns the lord responded with explaining to him what his purpose would be you are going to deliver israel from midian and then Gideon still doesn't accept that because he says, well, I'm nobody and nothing. I'm the youngest dude in the weakest tribe. I'm, I'm nothing and nobody in the nothing and nobody place. And so not only did, God, did, did he throw up his concerns, and that's being honest, but he's honest also about how he feels about himself. Let me say this again. I would not serve a God where I could not be honest about how I feel about myself where I feel inadequate in many places, where I feel unworthy in many places. But you need to know that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. He knows where Gideon is. He knows his position, but it is still his purpose to deliver his people. So it does not matter if you feel unworthy. If God calls you, that means you are not worthless. You have something to offer. And so as we march on down the story, we see Gideon eases up a little bit and says, okay, if you're with me, show me a sign. And we'll see that Gideon has a habit of doing that when you move on talking about Gideon's life. But he says, show me a sign. All right, stay right here. I'm going to get some food. We're going to bring it back, and we're going we're gonna to see what's going to happen. And so he goes to get some flour. He goes to get some meat, and he brings it back. And the angel of the Lord said, put it right there on the rock. And so Gideon obeys. And then the angel of the Lord takes his staff and touches that rock, and then fire springs up from the rock and consumes the food. And then the angel of the Lord disappears and get his response like, wow, I just was face to face with an angel. Now, he's not necessarily excited like, yeah, I saw an angel. But in this time, if you saw an angel, that meant you were probably about to die or you were already dead. But the fact that he saw an angel and lived, he was like, wow, that's a very big moment. And so this is what he does. And this is where I want to drop anchor. He builds an altar at the place of the encounter. Pause. Reflect. Think about all of the great encounters that you've had with the Lord in your journey. Have you put an altar there? Why do we put an altar in places? And so we put altars there so that we can be reminded of what God did or how our encounter went with the Lord in those places. But not only for us, but for anybody that will pass by. There's an oral tradition to give you an opportunity to give your testimony. It was at this place in my life or this place in the community or this place in my car or this place wherever where God showed me something special. So when he built that altar there, the Lord's voice came and said, peace be with you. You are not going to die. That's what the Lord says to him. You got your purpose, man. You're going to be victorious. But in this encounter right here, where you thought you may have died because you saw the angel, you're not going to die. And so what I want to offer you right now, with your concerns and with your feelings of inadequacy, I want to offer you my peace. And so he names that altar where he experienced God's peace. The Lord is my peace. Here are two words for you tonight. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. 
And does that work today? Absolutely. Especially in times like these where we're dealing with the virus, uh, we're dealing with not only just that as a worldwide problem and pandemic, but we have our own issues. And, and I've talked with a lot of people and I agree with them that if I could have anything, one of the things I would ask for is just peace. And peace is not absence of conflict. Peace is being stable and still even while the storm is blowing. Peace is a bird whistling on a rock in the middle of a hurricane. Again, peace does not mean there's no conflict. Peace is a result of his presence. New Testament scripture for you. Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, should guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Those are the two words tonight. Jehovah Shalom. I enjoyed our time together. Um, hopefully you will join us the next time where we get a little not too preachy. Hope you were inspired or informed or convicted or comforted. Um, and I hope that you will invite your friends and you will be back to be with us. Until next time, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and try your best to not be chased down and mauled by an angry squirrel. Peace.